Hey there, and welcome to Yes, a Stripper Podcast. On this podcast, we'll discuss how classifying each other as people and workers is dangerous to society and marginalized groups of people. We'll also talk about the climate in and outside of the strip clubs and all of the amazing things that strippers do. And of course, we'll talk about all of the things in between. I'm your queen, A.M. Davies, and this is Yes, a Stripper Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Yes, a Stripper Podcast. I'm so incredibly excited for this podcast because this is one that's like two years in the making, and I'm not even joking, and that will be clear in a minute. So I wanted to talk to you about a conversation that I had today with a friend of mine, a sex worker friend of mine, whose social media visibility is growing. And it's growing a little faster than she anticipated in the more recent weeks, um, specifically because she was reposted by another Instagram uh, influencer who had over 200,000 followers. And on that post, my sex worker friend read the comments. And the comments really hurt her feelings. And that really resonated with me because about 10 days ago, I read comments on a viral video about me on YouTube and it devastated me for like two days. And so I was really able to relate with her on that subject and let her know like, it will pass, you will get over that. But I just kind of want to remind everybody that when you're making posts and when you're commenting on other people's profiles, like there is a person on the other side of that reading those things. And even if we're in the driver's seat or leaders or, and your visibility is growing, we're also still learning as we go. And constructive criticism is a lot more helpful than just dragging people across the rakes. So I just kind of wanted to put that out there and just remind everybody to just be kinder to each other online because as we grow and as we're trying to do this work, like we are learning. And so, you know, my next guest, she knows a lot about that. She grew her account to a very large account. She's one of the most well-known strippers in the country right now. Everybody that's a stripper knows who Jack the Stripper is. And I'm so excited to bring her on the show and to talk to her and dissect things with my friend, Jack the Stripper. Please say hello to everyone. Beautiful queen. Hello, everybody. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Thank you so much for coming. I, two or three years ago, asked you to be on my podcast. Do you remember that? I do. We were texting about it. I and didn't have a podcast. I know. <laughs> Now you do. <laughs> but I, and it was so funny because when you were like, yeah, I'll be on your podcast. I was like, oh fuck, I need to make a podcast now. I don't know what was in my head at the time. I was just like, I'm just going to ask her. I'm so glad you did. Yeah. Yeah. And it reminded me of the video that you just posted on Instagram, the art of winging it. And when I looked back on that memory, I'm like, that's totally what I was doing in that moment. I was just like, I know I want to talk to her and she's got messages to share. So let's just ask her now. And I didn't have a platform at the time. And look at you now, your platform's growing every day. Yeah. But I also like, you know, people like you are inspire others to, to do that, to just be like, to just kind of take a leap and go into the next thing, you know, there's and so like, much failure to be had out there, guys. You got to go and get it. 
100%. You got to go make mistakes so that you become a more humble and well-rounded individual with good stories to tell. No one gives a shit if you have a story where there was no struggle. Yeah. And I think that was my favorite part of that video that I watched recently on your, your IGTV where you're like, no one wants to be like, no one wants to hear the story. Like you guys, it was so easy to win just now. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's a, it's off putting. No one's going to do more. And if you're yeah. after likable or not or whatever, it doesn't really matter. But, um, and those lessons get harder too, the more visible you become speaking to being dragged on social media. I'm pretty familiar with that. And, uh, I'm also a very sensitive person. So, yeah. um, so the, it doesn't get easier making the mistakes, but you become wiser Yeah, and, and you become more empathetic with other people who are also making mistakes and learning from them and empathy is harder to uh, have through technological devices. I don't know why it just is. It's easier to feel bad for someone in front of you than it is to feel bad for someone on a screen, but we all need to do better there. Cause yeah. we can't on screens right now. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I've, I've seen you say things like, I don't check my DM because it's a hell trash fire. <laughs> and like I don't comments either. I actually have them vetted. I have people I love read comments because I, as I said before, I'm sensitive and I have read the comments and they really are triggering. And also like people, I don't know, they're also written by people who are probably having a really hard time and projecting their bullshit onto me as a stripper. I know what that's like and, but it's easier to navigate in the club than it is like on the internet. Oh, 100%. I mean, but also in the club, to some degree, we have more power too. I feel well, like, yeah, yeah. I was thinking the other day. I was like, I would rather be groped without consent in the club, and then like you know, demand twenty bucks or even not demand twenty bucks. I would rather have some guy grab my ass than deal with the torment of my alleged peers or perceived peers. Maybe they're not right. uh, taking me apart on the internet. Yeah, I would rather. I would choose sexual assault over over trolling how fucked up is that yeah i i mean for me for a while i was like conditioned for sexual assault and so it became just kind of a normalized thing after a while but then same like when i read these comments i'm like what is happening like my world came crashing down i wasn't prepared for that Mm -hmm. i'm sorry yeah yeah but same it's like what you said it's like I imagine that they're going through a really difficult time you know and so that's how you pick the pieces back up off the floor basically and you just have to like logically break it down you know Mm -hmm. and for some people it's easier than others Mm -hmm. so I feel for those who don't have the capacity to do that so in regards to, you know, basically not being welcome on your own social media and sometimes in real life, we're not, we're not welcome to the party as a stripper. Mm-hmm. And you, you were talking about this in the realm of publishing your book and you were trying to publish your book and like, nobody really wanted much to do with it because mm-hmm. you're a stripper. And like, I've experienced that a lot of strippers have experienced that. Like, do you think that because we experience that that has helped us be more like have more strength and become more adaptable in like our everyday lives and even at work. And, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? I think it makes us much more creative in finding solutions because if the traditional path is not available to us, 
we have to like strippers aren't going to really uh just stop and be like okay i guess this just isn't meant for me because like the way it works with clients in the club you're like oh this guy clearly is not into me right now i need to get up and go and find somebody else it's not like this is the only guy sitting in the club right you know there's plenty of opportunities to get there and we've always been outliers we just are i mean i think i think strippers um the character of a lot of us is that we've always kind of felt a bit like outsiders i myself felt that way and stripping was kind of this really cool job where where people who kind of lived on the fridges could pop in and pop out and make their money so um being creative is just part of i think our social fabric as as strippers of trying to get the money and figuring out how to do that get the money get the book deal whatever it is you're chasing after you're probably going to have to be creative getting there and I think realizing when you're not welcome is at first really shitty and demoralizing. And then eventually you just realize that if you're ambitious in any way, you're often like not going to be welcome to the party. You're often going to have to really get creative with how you're going to get there. Yeah. I'm going to right now where I feel like I'm not welcome to the party. And I can't talk too much about it because these are like new and exciting ventures for me. But I, I am so, so deeply aware of the grave mistake these people are making by not welcoming to their party. You know, I'm like, look, if, and that's okay because I don't want, I don't want tension moving forward trying to make this happen. I don't want to be constantly fighting for my validity for like why I should be sitting here at the table. Like I either want to be at the table with like, you know, welcome or like, I just, I don't know, like fighting for it. Just, it's just not the right table, I guess. I don't know. I'm I'm still I'm still in this right now. I haven't achieved success and like can speak to how hard that was and how I made it. I think every single day is encountering people who are not down with what you are speaking about and that is totally okay. And it also makes you be way more adaptable and creative with what's next. Yeah, I think so too. I think definitely cuz we're constantly trying to maneuver and figure out the path to get there, but like mm -hmm. I I almost I also get confused like in the book world you would assume you're dealing with like intellectual professionals that could like overcome their bias especially when it comes to like writing about your personal experience in a genre that a lot of people don't write about like I just find that to be well, so close-minded no I think people people who edit books don't write books people who read books that want to be published maybe haven't lived the life you've lived yeah. And I don't know, look, it was a long time ago too. Like I was trying to publish the Beaver show. I also had maybe like 2000 followers on Instagram. I had, I didn't have the, like I got a blue check mark now. I could probably get a lot more, but at the time I was nobody with no social clout. I just had a story to tell. Mm. And, and it's funny too, cause I would never write that book now. I don't agree with probably 80% of what I wrote. Right. And I'm really proud that that exists because it humbles me when I see other people growing and having an evolution of understanding of things and our wokeness and our compassion and our judgment, our judgment. Like there's so many ways we have evolved. I have evolved to understand things differently. Like my book said so many horophobic things because I was 23 and that's how I felt getting into it. And I'm still proud of having written that book, having done it and published it. And I'm also proud of the growth I've had since then. Yeah. And yeah, that's what I have to say about that. I have to say about that. 
Um, yeah. Well, I love your story. I love your comics. I love that your comics say all the things that I've been thinking for so many years, such as when people are like, oh, like, why do you do this work? I'm like, why do you sit in a fucking cubicle under fluorescent lights all day? Like, Such a lighting. It is. And I, my favorite comic of yours is the woman leaning over the wall, the stripper leaning over the wall, talking to the woman sitting in a chair in front of a computer and like, you're so much better than this, you know? And it's like, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, your art just speaks to so many of us and, and, and what you're saying about horror phobia and growth, like I too experience, like I look back and I'm like, Oh, I can't believe like I said some of those things out loud, you know? And I'm, I'm grateful to have learned to be able to tell other people now, like mm -hmm. that's horror phobic. Mm -hmm. And you yeah. know, because you had to work through it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people that have lived it and worked through it are like the best advocates for it. Actually, I probably all of us have had horror phobia at one point in our lives. Yeah. We're conditioned. We're conditioned yeah. Like really be fearful of horse because like there's nothing patriarchy is more afraid of than like a woman just charging for it. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my, my mother and I have a really strong relationship and my mother used to be horophobic as well. And now she is not. And she's learned a lot about my career and sex workers and strippers over the years and has been very supportive of my work. And I figured out recently that you are kind of in the same position as me in regards to that. Do you mind talking a little bit about your relationship with your mom and what that was like? Yeah. Sex work. Um, my mom and I are way more similar. I'm learning every day and she doesn't even tell me the shit she got up to when she was younger, but I know my mom was out there yeah. doing some things and we're not going to call it stripping or anything. I don't even know, but there's so many holes in the stories she tells. I'm like, I'm going to have to talk to my uncle about this. Like, I'm going to, I got to get the load out. I got to figure out what really happened. But, um, my, um, my mom is just very adventurous and curious and goes out there and, you know, lives her life exactly as she wants to. And when I told her I was a stripper, I kept it from her for a year or so because, I didn't even know how I felt about it. I was just like, I'm doing this and nobody's going to find out. And like, this is my day to day. I wasn't thinking I did not, I wasn't like, I'm going to be like a renowned stripper. Like I didn't think that I was just like, I need money right now. And this is really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Cash is so sexy. So when I told her, she was like, I said, mom, I'm a stripper. And she was like, cause you love to perform. Like she just understood that I need to be on stage, which is true to this day. I will always need to be on stage. And it is what I'm grieving for the most in quarantine is being able to perform for a live audience. So she, she, but you know, and she had a whole bunch of questions along the way and it was really uncomfortable and kind of defined my uh, success or, or maybe she reassured herself that I was okay by what I wasn't doing. Hmm. And I guess she didn't even know what I wasn't doing, but I think she was uncomfortable. She was like, I think the thing she worried about the first, the first question that she asked was like, do you have to give like lap dances? <laughs> and and I, I joke about this in my standup. I'm like, as if being paid for the work is the worst part of the job. Like the lap dances, when you close the sale and you get the money, the yeah. worst part of the job is like, mingling around fielding all of these fucking 
like literally smelly assholes trying to find somebody to actually let you give the lap dance, you know, yeah. and then and the stigma and trying to explain your work to other people or telling the bank teller that it's none of their fucking business where the money came from and just to put it in your account. Those are the things that are the worst part of the job, but they, people don't know that people think that the intimate contact is the worst part of the job. Right. And and I think that's interesting is like where people's judgments come out and it's a process. It's, you can't, when somebody, you know, shows you that they're judgmental or uncomfortable or says something that's wrong, you can't be like, that's wrong. You just have to like, listen to them say something and know that they're going to go through a whole process mm -hmm. of figuring out how they feel about your work. And, and they're going to do some reading or maybe they're not. But now my mom is just really supportive of me. And like, she totally isn't like totally down a hundred percent with absolutely everything I do. She has concerns. She's my mother, okay. but, but she, I don't know. She kind of just, I think she just kind of knows that I'm so much like her that it, it's, you know, it's not, it's bad karma for her to judge it. Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, unfortunately there's a lot of people out there whose parents still don't know because people are afraid to tell them or some parents disown them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, what would you say to a parent, like if given the opportunity that has a child as a sex worker, who's like mm, about it, like I'm not supportive. Like what, what do you, what, what good qualities were in like your mother's parenting that you would hope others would possess for their children as far as that? I guess I think the way I'm thinking about this right now is I'm not a parent, but I do have people in my life who I love deeply, who's, who are making choices that I don't agree with. Mm -hmm. And I worry about their safety when they make those choices. And I asked someone, <laughs> this is probably, I don't know if this is terrible advice. This is a totally different thing, but I think the sentiment is the same. Like you're worried for this person's safety because you love them and you don't understand what they're doing or you do understand. You just hope they make a different choice. But mm. I asked my friend, like, what do I do about my friend? Who's like, you know, in this sort of like bad situation. And she was like, all you can do is love them. You know, she also said, I don't know if this connects to this, but she says, don't talk about it. They're going to think that you're annoying. And by thinking somebody's annoying, you're pushing them away. So I think that mm. being there to listen to the person, like if you, if you have big grievances with what somebody's doing, but you love them, you really need to just be there for them and love them. And instead of trying to pick a fight and get them to see and get them to change their mind, which is never, never works. Right. It's important to just be there and listen. And when somebody is ready to talk and share, you are still listening. And knowing that somebody is there for you to listen, whether you had a good day at work or a bad day at work is, is powerful. And if you're uncomfortable with what you're listening about, like just live through that discomfort. Everybody's uncomfortable. Sometimes you don't, your kid doesn't owe you comfort. Yeah. It reminds mm -hmm. me of a story when um, a friend of mine came out to their mom and um, the, the mom was just like, was like asked so many questions and almost in a way like are you sure are you sure this is what is happening and kept talking about it and talking about it and then she took it back and was like actually I'm I was wrong I'm just confused and then lived in that narrative for a few years and eventually they were able to have the conversation again and it came back out but there was that thing that you were talking about where the her mother was like kept talking about it mm -hmm. instead of just listening well I mean do you want to push your kid away 
Right. Or do you want them to know that you're there for them? Right. I think there's kind of two answers there. If yeah. You want to push your kid away. Push those questions. Yeah. And my mom said the same thing. She was like, I just realized that if I wanted you in my life, I had to just accept it and continue to love you and still not like what you were doing. And, um, but after a while, once she learned more, she understood it's not so bad. Yeah. And it's just, it's just a job. I yeah. think also when I came out as queer to my mom, she didn't handle it well at all. <laughs> and then one day when my first girlfriend broke my heart and I was like crying at breakfast, my mom just said, it's just relationships. Like she, uh, she just saw my heartbreak and she didn't care who broke it. She just saw her daughter hurting. And that's one of the things that helped her come around to accepting me as the loving person that I am is that I will go through heartbreak and, it, and the, the gender of the person breaking my heart doesn't really matter. What matters is your kid is hurting and you want to be there for your kid because you also had your heart broken. Right. Right. And it's just, Peeling back all of the stigma, which takes time because we're conditioned to believe things that aren't necessarily true. We're just conditioned to believe them right. and then understand. And, and with sex work, it's like, it's just work. Right. It's a little bit more complicated than other jobs, but it's, it's a job that people do. And it's not really up to us to judge what kind of work people do. Right. 100%. People mm -hmm. love to judge our work though. Um, Yo, because they want to do it. The outfits are Yeah, good. they're probably just jealous. You're right. This shouldn't be like us. <laughs> um, so I did this radio show. I actually called in to NPR one day, um, and it was called the A1 show. But it was the end question that really got me, and I feel like it, I felt like it was gotcha journalism, like because basically I called in. You could appreciate this. They were talking about the Hustler movie, and I called in to talk about AB5. But when they brought me on the phone, they were like, you watched the Hustler movie. What did you think? And I basically tore it to shreds. And they all were like talking so highly of it. But I came in and I just like completely changed the trajectory of their conversation. And, mm -hmm. um, and I pointed out all of these things that they were saying that I felt needed to be brought to light. And at the end of the conversation, I feel like he found a way to like kind of stick it to me. And he said to me, so what's your exit plan? And it really caught me off guard. And um, I answered the question like I just answered the question, you yeah. know? And right after I answered the question, I was fucking pissed yeah. that I answered the question. But he did it so cleverly, and I was not prepared. Mm -hmm. And I will never not be prepared for that question again. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been asked that question? Yeah, every day. <laughs> no. every day I do and it depends how I'm feeling but like I as an entertainer I remember this one guy's like what are you gonna do when you can't strip anymore and I was like what did he say I can't remember he didn't say it like that but I was like beauty is on the inside and I will be beautiful forever so I will always be fine <laughs> <laughs> and that's what he said like you don't have to answer the question you just have to yeah. shut them up Right. Yeah. And that was the answer I gave, but that was when I was still stripping and I'm not stripping anymore. And I, uh, a lot of us are not stripping anymore. And I yeah. think it's and I, now I'm ready to talk about retirement, but I was right. so, I was so reluctant to talk about retirement because of this question, because of, well, you're not going to be beautiful forever. You can't do it forever. You're going to age out of this. Well, nobody thought that, that you're going to COVID out of this because we didn't know COVID was coming. Yeah. But I resented the question because 
it was just like, you know, deep, it was like stuck in horror phobia and ageism. And I really struggle with ageism now because I'm in show business still. Right. I hated that question, but now I really want to talk about it because a lot of us have retired. And I also, I was really expecting that I was going to retire from stripping because I was rich, which I think it, you know, which sucks because, you know, I am rich with experience and love. Um, and my bank account isn't booming. It's fine. I'm not like hurting terribly, but I'm not fucking rich in the way I thought I was going to be rich when I was leaving the game. I left reluctantly. I left because I was no longer welcome at the party. Yeah. I no longer getting hired at clubs where I was auditioning because I'm a mouthy whore and they don't like what I'm saying. And also I wasn't welcome to the party because, because I wasn't, I wasn't summer anymore. I was Jack. And Jack, I don't strip as Jack. I strip as like, well, Summer was one of my stripper names. I have a ton, but that girl died because I was recognized in the club and I did not want to strip as, as this character that I perform in comedy clubs and whatever. It's a different person. So I was forced into retirement without like, I don't even remember my last shift. Mm. I don't, and, it, and I did not, and I can tell you for sure that my last shift, I did not make a lot of money and I hadn't been making a lot of money for the last couple of times I was trying to go in and get hired. It was a very sad time of feeling kind of ousted in this really anticlimactic way. And, and that's why I didn't want to talk about it for so long. Cause it felt so, uh, it was just such a non-event and everything about stripping I've, I've described as this like, you know, incredible, not incredible experience. There's so many shitty experiences doing this work. I really thought there was going to be an end that felt more defined. And I think the end to this work for me, and maybe a lot of us are feeling this way right now because, because we just grad clubs just gradually closed and maybe you cleaned out your locker. Maybe you didn't get to, and you weren't ready for it because you just, we all th- we think we're going to leave on our own terms and it's yeah. just really how it works. We kind of are, are told to leave because it's kind of hard to leave. You know, it's a cash job. You're hot. You're being validated for being hot. You want to hold on to that and you want to only leave when it's, when you are over it. And that's what I always said. I was like, I'm going to leave stripping when I don't want to do it anymore. And the reality was, is I had to leave stripping because I wasn't welcome anymore. And it kind of broke my heart. And also because of this whole identity and this business that I've built around it was based on the work that I did. And we throw so much shade at people who retire, who go on to do other things and maybe incorporate their brand or maybe they don't. It's just kind of this, this subculture, this community of like, if you're in, you're in. And when you're out, you're fucking out. And I didn't, no one told me that, but I heard people talk about other people like that. So I was really afraid to leave the community because I didn't want to be ostracized. And I was like, well, do I belong to this community anymore if I'm not doing the work anymore? And I really like felt just that I just really feared rejection. And, but I was also like, I don't know. That's a really hard feeling. A really hard feeling of like not wanting to lose your friends because you don't share that one thing in common anymore. And 
it's, I've been straddling this whole, like, I'm not a stripper anymore, but a lot of my life and work is inspired by that. And like, no one can take that away from me. Nobody can take the last decade away from me. My entire adult life, this has been my career. And, but I had to learn that. I really thought that like, once it was over, I wasn't allowed to have that story anymore. I don't know who told me this. I think it was just signs I picked up from other, from noticing how other people were treated when they left the industry and chose to speak about it because it changes so much. So it's, it was a sad moment and I really just want to talk about it because I think a lot of people are probably feeling maybe something similar because they're not doing that work anymore. And the highs from the cash and the lights and the strangers and the accolades when you're when you don't get to have a place to go and get those anymore it's sad and i don't know i just want you to know that i'm sad too yeah i can hear that um yeah when my accident happened that was it yeah you know and yeah everything i was used to for 18 years was just it's gone now just like that. And, uh, and I, I watched that too in LA when you quit, everyone just kind of stops talking to you. Yeah. And I knew that that was going to happen to me that I would be left out of the party. Yeah. With a few individuals, the ones that I was very close to that didn't happen, but majoritively like when there was events and things happening, I wasn't necessarily thought of. Mm hmm. Um, and I, and I had had other friends be like, oh, so just because I quit, like nobody even talks to me or reaches out and other women complained about it. Mm -hmm. I think we're ageist. We don't mean to be because it's just like, I think because we're a marginalized community, like, you know how like marginalized communities are sometimes the most exclusionary. It's like, we have this and this is what we have and this is what binds us. So if you're not in, you're fucking out. Right. Yeah. Losing a lot as a community by not honoring our elders. And we also, but it's also not, it's not the fault of it. It's twofold, right? It's also that the stigma of sex work is so great that when you leave it behind, you don't necessarily have the privilege to talk about what you used to do because you're in a new place and you like, you have a new job and it's just, that was one part of your life and you have to just lean into this part of your life. But I, I hope the future involves more crossover, more, more interaction with our elders who have gone on to do other things and how we can learn from them because you have this arsenal of skills now and maybe you can't go back to stripping. Maybe COVID means that you have had to retire. And I'm sorry if that is the case, cause that is heartbreaking and um, really scary, but yeah. there's so much you can do with what you've learned. And I want to hear more from retired strippers who can share share with us what they did with that knowledge and those skills because I think that if you want to strip forever you can and if you don't want to that's okay too but it doesn't make you less part of the community yeah I mean how I wonder what is a good way to keep them as a part of the community like active like what could be available for them or how could we stay connected just like through social media I have a fantasy of like a LinkedIn for sex workers where, and it would have to be, I don't even know, like I don't do any like coding or see, I don't even have the language, but imagine if there was some sort of network 
or even if it's just a, a live event and not on the internet because stigma and people finding you out, but where we could share about where we're at now, what we learned from the game and how we've applied it elsewhere and mentoring for what you want to do next. If you do want to do something next and you meet somebody who's also in real estate, yo, we can sell anything, go and sell expensive houses. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to, I'm just saying there's so many, there's so many transferable skills and everybody laughs at us and is like, you can't do shit. But I think that, um, talking to people who have moved on and done other stuff is, is a great way to bridge that. Yeah. And also like, cause like I, there's nothing I want more than like being around other strippers who were like hot and exciting and fun and, you know, f- you know, filled with energy and to like revisit that feeling, you know, now that I'm old, getting older, I love being around younger women. When I was younger, I, I sought out older, um, friends to, to vibe with. And now I'm in a different place where I feel more supportive of the younger women in my life. And I'm like, you got this, you can do this. And I think yeah. there's just so much to be gained from that. So I just want to be part of that. I want to be part of the change Yeah. of, of that. Like I want to talk to strippers in the eighties who bought five homes. I want to know how they're doing, you know, Yeah. let's find <laughs> them. You know, they didn't have to buy five homes, but some of them did. And I think that there's like, we all had different heydays. We all had different struggles. And yeah. a lot, and we're all okay, you know. Yeah, we all made it work because strippers always make it work because there's nobody more creative than somebody who sells, you know, two and a half minutes of a fantasy for twenty bucks. Yeah, yeah, <sighs> yeah. I'm always saying that strippers are some of the smartest, most creative, adaptable, strongest people that I know. They're some of the most amazing people in my life. Hence why I have this podcast. So you can all talk about how amazing you are. Yeah. So, yeah. So what are, what are you, so you, do you consider yourself a retired stripper now? Is that something that you would yeah. say? Yeah. I don't dance anymore. Right. Yeah. Jack, the retired stripper doesn't have the same <laughs> <thing> to it. <laughs> what, so what would be your retirement advice? Um, what would you tell people? What would I tell people who are retiring? Um, well, I always said that most people leave this industry not because they found a job, but because they created one. Um, I would say that you have been an entrepreneur and a, a business owner for as long as you've been in the game. So you know how to run a business, you know how to make it sustainable, and you can do that in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say stop spending money on your appearance because that shit's expensive and you can't write it off anymore. <laughs> and you probably need to cut corners. And also, I would say that whatever you're building next is going to take time. And the beginner's luck you have at a, had as a baby stripper doesn't necessarily translate to beginner's luck as an entrepreneur <laughs> or any kind of person. Like you're probably going to have to humble yourself and do work that pays a lot less. I mean, we're already doing a lot of work that pays a lot less. I've, I took a huge pay cut when I quit stripping and, sure. um, and I'm finding other work and it is significantly less paid, but it's work. Mm-hmm. And. I don't know. I also like spend less money on, on all this. So that's, you know, it doesn't, it's not, I don't really feel like I'm working with less. I just feel like I spend money less. Like I don't spend money on brunch three days a week at 5 PM, you know, like the stripper lifestyle is fucking epic, but it is expensive. It is. Yeah. Uh, 
And that's okay that you had that. And now you can move on and you're going to be rich in another way with like, you know, new kinds of way of making money. Um, So, yeah, I would just say, and also like, make sure that when you are doing work, whatever work it is, maybe you can know that you're paying yourself, even if you're not getting cash in your hand right now, the work you're putting into whatever new career you're doing is work. It is labor and it will come back to you later. Whereas stripping the lap dance you give now isn't going to get you paid in five years, you know? Yeah. Like this is a whole different way of relating to money and um, you're going to have to make some sacrifices and some compromises and that is okay. That is part of growing up and growing up is so hot. Yeah. So sexy. Growing up is so fucking hot. So you're always going to be hot and beautiful because that is on the inside. Yeah. And, uh, and take it slow and really like do an inventory of what you're good at. Read some, read some self-help books. You know what I read actually, hmm. this is before I became a stripper before I knew anything that I was going to do. I wanted to like go into advertising cause I fantasized about like power suits, everything <laughs> about a costume to me, everything. But I did this book exercise in the book called what color is my parachute I did it when I was graduating from college and I was like I don't know what I'm gonna do and they make you take all of your favorite skills and put them into a pyramid it took forever do it with a friend get a glass of wine or a bottle and really just like enjoy the process of like doing inventory of all the ways that you are amazing because that's what it that's what it was and I made this pyramid of what all of my skills were thinking I was going to go into like advertising and the top the top of the thing said storyteller. And then it said like manipulator. <laughs> and then it said like, what was the other thing? I know the top thing was storyteller. Yeah. Um, I just remember like looking at this pyramid drunk, 21, maybe 22. And I was like, what the fuck am I going to do with storytelling? Like I had, I had no belief that it could make money. Mm. None. And then I became a storyteller and a manipulator and an entertainer. You know what I mean? Like it all, it actually, it absolutely came true. So if you really do an inventory of what skills you have and what you're good at and what you like doing, you know, it's really good to know what that is in a, and especially in terms that other employers or other people and other businesses can understand. Yeah. Yeah. What color is my parachute? Yeah. It was a, nobody's paying me to say that. It really was a good, it was a good book. It's just all about like what career you're supposed to find for yourself. Yeah. Notebooks are the best. I love it. When you're a stripper, you know that all people want to do is talk about themselves, right? You know, you're making money when you're listening. Right. So that book, what colors my parachute, all you get to do is talk about yourself. Now it's your turn to be the client. Like, what do I like? Yeah. 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 That's nice. You're right. I love, my favorite thing is watching other people dance since I've been watched dance so many times. I'm like, I just want to sit back and watch you now. So yeah. Do you ever do that? I mean, I always just like stared at the stage. Yeah. All night. We'll just watch girls. Yeah. No, I mean like in like, like what you just said, you're like, you know, you're always listening to other people. It's nice to be listened to when I go out in public and people are dancing and they're like, dance. I'm like, no, I'm watching you dance dance yeah. and I can dance for me yeah, <laughs> yeah it's nice to switch the roles sometimes yeah, yeah. Um. want to be fabulous just like these strippers pay attention it's stripper tips ask questions mm. ask questions to yourself 
and answer them, like do journal prompts, whatever it is, and really ask questions because your answers can change every day. Ask other people questions. Everybody loves talking about themselves. Mm -hmm. You will be a very liked person if you ask a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. And being likable is fucking everything in this world in terms of getting money. We know this, right? So ask questions, let people talk. You will learn shit and you will get paid. Get ready for our rapid fire question round. It's time for four for one. Okay, question number one. Have you ever tried to pee standing up before? Yeah. Yeah. How's that In the go? shower all the time. <laughs> no. Okay, let me ask again. <laughs> I interpreted it my own way. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever made out in a graveyard? Yeah. Tight. I never have. Have you ever yelled at a customer on stage? If so, what did you say? Oh, all the time. I and said, would you want to be treated like that? Don't treat me like that. It's a good one. Is that like a, is that like a. You tried to pull down my panties. Oh no, no. <laughs> do you think aliens exist and would they love us or kill us if they do? I think aliens totally exist and I think they think we're dumb and that's why they're kind of ignoring us for the most time or like trolling us with crop circles. <laughs> I think they dropped us off to see what would happen and they check in on us and they yeah. got really annoyed. What's that? I wonder if greed exists in other planets and other, in other like species because greed I think is the downfall of everything. Greed and the need for power. Have greed. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Is greed the root of all evil? I think so. Yeah. That's such a good, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, I love aliens and I hope that they don't try to kill us. Um, We're doing each other. We're doing the job. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Sorry for the doozy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow, Oh, thank you. These earrings are were made by Soldiers of Pole. They're amazing. Thank you. They stand for Full Service Sex Worker on our website when it's ready. Great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's all these red tape and hoops that we have to jump through before we can sell stuff. But yeah, they're really tight. And I love when people, when civilians ask me what F SSW stands for. So for any of you who are just listening and not watching this video, I'm wearing these translucent, translucent neon yellow earrings with the letters FSSW on them. It stands for full service sex worker. And it is one of my favorite conversation pieces in public when Amazing. civilians ask. Yeah. I love the reaction and, uh, and I love to educate people about it. Just like you. Mm -hmm. Inspired by people like you always. So thank you for all that you do for all of us. Thanks. Yeah. Can you tell us anything new that's coming up that you're allowed to talk about or things that you would like for people to know about or um, things that we all know what your handle is, but we can blast it anyway. So do you want to inform our audience? Yeah, my handle is Jack the Stripper. Jack is spelled J-A-C-Q. Um, what can you know about me? I'm on Patreon and I would love your money. You, for $2 a month, you can tip me and you have access to like photos of my nipples. 
videos of me making art and other cool shit. And like my blog posts, I share my diary. I share like interesting things that inspire me. And I would love your support on Patreon because I got to pay my bills, you know? And what else is coming up that I can talk about? You know what? I'm just going to put it out there into the world that I welcome any gifts and blessings that you have coming my way. I welcome the opportunities. If you want me to paint something or if you want to hire me for a gig, I am open because to be totally honest, I am a little bit over myself and I would love to like have new gigs that I don't have to initiate. I uh, am available as a for hire artist and um, I'm available as an actress. I am in SAG. So yes, I will appear on your show that doesn't brutalize women. And, um, I don't know. I'm just kind of excited about what's next because I honestly don't know what it is. COVID has thrown a huge wrench into everything and I'm choosing to be excited about all of the new opportunities I don't even know exist yet. So if you have one for me, hit me up and not in the DMs. My email right. is info at I love it. Oh my God. I'm so honored. I'm so, so happy that we were able to do this. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you to everyone out there for listening to another amazing Yes, a Stripper podcast episode. Be sure to tune in every Wednesday. Don't forget to subscribe. See you next time. Bye. We're now accepting four-for-one submissions from our listeners. You can send them in via Instagram at Yes, a Stripper podcast or on Twitter at Yes, a Stripper pod. Make sure to follow all the things and email any questions or concerns to Yes, a Stripper podcast at gmail.com. Tune in every Wednesday. See you soon.